The Old Testament reading for the ninth Sunday after Trinity is from 2 Samuel chapter 22, beginning at the 26th verse. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The Lord, or this God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. <clears throat> the epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at the 6th verse. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be the idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation... He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, 
There was a rich man who had a steward, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. And the steward said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the stewardship away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that people may receive me into their homes when I am put out of the stewardship. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest steward for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous men, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal habitations. He who is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and he who is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If, then, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve... In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The steward didn't know what to do. He knew he needed to act quickly. But it was really running out of options. There wasn't much to do. The hammer was about to drop. His past misdeeds and indiscretions were coming back to haunt him. pacing back and forth in his room, sweat beating on his forehead, his palms becoming clammy and wet. He tried to figure out a way out, something he could do. He thought back to the books. And he had to admit to himself he had been wasteful. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He hadn't treated his master's goods as his own. In some ways, he deserved what he was getting. But he had to get out. What was he going to do? He breathed a heavy sigh. There really was nothing left. He couldn't go into manual labor. He certainly wasn't going to beg. 
What was there left to do? Then it hit him. He grinned to himself. He had an idea, but he had to act quickly. He didn't have a lot of time. But he needed to make some friends. In many ways, this parable is a real oddity. In Jesus' parables to his disciples and the crowds, this one stands out in many ways, as different. It's hard to kind of grasp and figure out what's going on. The church, for centuries now, millennia, have been trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Yet we see in this parable the relationship of the faithful and possessions. How do we handle the things which God has given to us? And even, even in this most unrighteous of servants, you can learn a little something. Something of shrewdness, of worldly possessions, and even of mercy. Now, what the steward does in our gospel lesson this morning, is certainly dishonest and unjust. He sins in what he does towards his master. As he takes these debtors and slashes what they owe. Now, these debtors are basically what we would call sharecroppers. They work some of the land of the master. And in payment for being able to do that, they have to give some of the harvest to the master. And this would have been decided way at the beginning when they first make the agreement to do this. They would have made a contract with the master that at the time of harvest, they would give this much of their harvest right off the top to the master. Then they could go and sell the rest. It was payment. It was their rent, basically. And what the steward is doing is knocking down what is owed the master. He's in many respects taking the master's possessions for his own purposes. He compounds his offense against the lord of the household. Already wasteful. He now basically steals from the man. So what does the Lord do? The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He commended the guy. In some sense, he praised the steward for what he had done. He consented, even almost approved, of what the steward had done with his possession. It's mind-boggling. It makes no sense for the Lord to have done what he had done. 
We'll get to it in a little later. Why he did what he did. But first, let's look at this word shrewdness. Right? It's a word that much discussion has been made over as to exactly what it means. Because it's really hard, and in this case, it's a very nuanced word. The word we translate as shrewdness is actually pronomos in the Greek here. And it shows up quite often in Jesus' parables and in other sayings throughout the Gospels. Right? It's actually has more of a sense of wisdom, but not in a philosophical, academic sort of way, more in a practical sort of way. It's, it's prudence. In many ways, it's common sense. It's being able to look at a situation and knowing the best course of action to take. It's actually the word used of the wise builder who built his house upon the rock in Matthew chapter 10. He used prudence, pronomos. It's how the servant put over the household in Matthew 24 is described by Christ as he speaks of the last days. He is to be faithful and wise. And dovetailing off of that, just a few verses later in Matthew 25, it's how the wise virgins are described. The five wise virgins who brought oil for their lamps, instead, unlike the five foolish who did not. And then we start seeing the nuance. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples to be wise as serpents, yet innocent as doves. Tells them to be wise as serpents. To be pronomos like serpents. And it's here we start seeing that nuance. For here, in this passage in Matthew 10, we hearken back to that first time it's ever used in the scriptures. All the way back to Genesis chapter 3, where in the Septuagint, the serpent in the garden is described as pronomos. We usually translate it as clever, cunning. He's shrewd in many ways. That's the connotation that is carried here. This dishonest servant, or steward is shrewd. He's wise. He's prudent. He understands how to look at a situation and know the best course to take. So what then can we learn about how to use worldly possessions? Now as we look at what Jesus says, things get even more Interesting. For after he speaks of the Lord commending the steward, he goes on to speak of it like this. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. 
And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwelling. In some respects, Jesus is telling the disciples to be like the dishonest steward, to be shrewd, cunning in our use of possessions in this life. But notice, Jesus never tells them to be dishonest like the steward. He never says to be wasteful, to squander as the steward had done. But to be wise, prudent, shrewd. And we are truly stewards of the things which have been given to us. This thought goes all the way back to the garden. When God formed Adam and Eve, he places them in the garden and says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that moves on the earth. Adam and Eve were given all of creation, not that they might possess it for themselves, but that they might care and provide for it for God. For it is His creation. They were to be stewards of the things given to them. In the same way, the good gifts which we receive from God are not ours. They are His. We have been blessed with them and should use them appropriately with wisdom, prudence, and even shrewdness in our dealings with those around us. We give back to the Lord as he has called us to do. In many ways, like the debtors who did not own the land and needed to give back from the top of their harvest to the one who owned that which they had. But we also are to make friends for ourselves with the unrighteous wealth of this world, with men. Now, this has commonly been seen as almsgiving and charity throughout the history of the church. We are to use our wealth, our goods, in the service of others. This is how we make friends by helping out the poor and the needy in our neighborhoods, towns, and lives, doing this with prudence and wisdom, considering the situation before us to determine the best course of action to take, where and when to donate money. And in the end, we know that by helping some, we make friends, but also, we might just be taken advantage of. Not all those we help may truly be in need. Now, we try to minimize this as much as we can. We use the wisdom and prudence given to us by God that we might try and lower this as much as we can. But not to the detriment of those who are truly in need. 
As Augustine says in his sermon on this passage, we can understand that we have to give alms and that we must not really pick and choose to whom we give them because we are unable to sift through, the, through people's hearts. When you give alms to all different types of people, then you will reach a few who deserve them. You are hospitable, and you keep your house ready for strangers. Lest in the unworthy, let in the unworthy, in case the worthy might be excluded. We are to be stewards of the gifts which have been given to us. We use these gifts to help those around us. We don't do it willy-nilly. We do it with shrewdness, with prudence, giving to many, that we might help those truly in need. And finally in this passage, we see something of mercy. Now, we do not see mercy in the dishonest steward. Kind of. It is not mercy that prompts his actions towards the master's debtors, but it is truly saving his own hide. He is selfish in how he uses his master's goods. But in these actions, he ends up showing mercy to these people. He relies on the mercy of his master. In many ways, the steward does what he does to the debtors because he knows that his master will be merciful. That if they show these records that have less than what they owe, the master in mercy will accept them. And he knows that if he does this, the master will deal in mercy to him and let him get away with it. He relies on this fact when he hatches his plan. That is the key. Mercy. The master commends the steward for the mercy that he ended up showing. Even if it was spurned by ulterior motives, the steward had still shown mercy upon the debtor. And this is a true attribute of the master. It guides the way in which he runs his household. It leads the actions which the Lord takes in his dealings with the steward and the debtors. And mercy is what directs the actions of our Lord towards us. We are certainly debtors before the Lord. We, like the steward, are wasteful in what has been given to us. We do not use the gifts given as we properly should, but to often squander them on useless things that will pass away. But our Lord is merciful. He deals with us kindly. In mercy, the Father sent down His only begotten Son to take on human flesh, to be born of the Virgin Mary. In mercy, the Son lived the life which we could not, taking upon Himself our sin, dying upon the cross 
that we might not die eternally, but rising again, that we might have everlasting life. In mercy, the Spirit quickens in us new and contrite hearts, granting to us faith in the waters of holy baptism, strengthening us through the Word of God, and grafting us into the body of Christ with His own body and blood. Like the Lord of this parable, God certainly deals with us in mercy. And so we also deal with those around us in mercy. We imitate our Lord in the mercy which has been shown to us. Not like the steward who was, it was only by accident. But we intentionally deal in mercy towards those around us. We use our possessions to be merciful to those around us. In many ways, as reckless as the sower with his seed, yet tempered with the shrewdness of the dishonest steward. And it isn't an easy thing to do in this life. It's a tight rope to walk. So pray to your Heavenly Father that he might grant you the wisdom to make the right decision. Pray that the Spirit would create in you a heart of mercy and love towards neighbor and friend. That the Spirit might guide you through the situations that come upon you to know the right course to go. It is odd to think of the dishonest steward as a role model. His wastefulness and selfishness are truly not to be commended. But his shrewdness and his accidental mercy are to be. The Lord has given to you his blessing. He has shown to you mercy. He has made you a steward of his gifts. May he guide us in our use of them in wisdom and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.